the big yeah and the big thing as well is trying to funnel that enthusiasm so like you'll find people come to you it's a different things I hear sometimes parents come to me as well and say my son or my daughter is like they're all they talk about is fitness all they want to do is go to the gym and they want to leave college or they want to leave their job and they want to go and do this full time and the thing is it's completely sustainable if it's something you really want to do you'll manage the workload and getting there so like if it means doing something part-time in terms of doing your qualifications part-time if it means doing pts the weekends or early in the mornings or in the afternoons after work if it's something you really really want to do you will make time for it and you will make it work the whole time Hello and welcome to episode number 36 of For Fit's Sake, the podcast brought to you by FFS Gyms. This week, myself and Rudds are joined by Big C, aka Craig McInerney, my brother, unfortunately, and coach here at FFS. Craig, how are we doing? Good, thanks for having me. Rudds, how are you getting on? I'm great, I'm great. Excited to be here with uh, Craig in the office. You find it awkward there? having two brothers, a lot of kind of sibling rivalry already starting in this small, tight space? Yeah, yeah, yeah. I can feel the testosterone. Uh, two, two alpha males in the room. <laughs> Uh, and Rhodes, how's all with you? What, what are you up to these days? Yeah, all's good. Um, just kind of usual stuff. Loads of coaching, loads of learning. Uh, you were doing a nice recovery session this morning. There, I was, I, I was kind of thinking you were just being lazy, but you said that there was exactly. a bit of method to the madness. Yeah, exactly. Um, no, basically doing a course at the moment, um, and in the course they're talking about recovery days and how you structure them. Um, so then today I sent out an article to the rest of the team here um, just doing some active recovery work where foam rolling stretching some flow type movements to increase um, range of motion and get tissues moving again and then uh, steady state aerobic work so doing kind of in terms of effort like 5 five out of 10 or keeping your heart rate uh, about 120 to 150 beats a minute and then finishing with uh, some breathing work at the end of the session uh, we do a lot of breathing in the Metcons here at the classes to finish and like the kind of big plus of doing that is your body is fight or flight which is going to be sympathetic nervous system or parasympathetic nervous system which is uh, rest and digest and the benefit of doing that breathing work at the end of a session is you switch your body quicker from that uh, fight and flight mode to rest and digest so you kick start the recovery process so like I did like three minutes at the end um, of deep breathing like four seconds in hold for two out for six and you do feel a lot better after it yeah um, you, look, you look relaxed I you feel look, good yeah. yeah I feel, feel and, zen and uh, Big C you obviously would have been kind of big advocate of unorthodox recovery methods would we call it for probably a long time before myself and Rudds would have known a lot about them body tempering springs to mind Big C um, but we got that picture on Instagram where Craig hanging is he hanging upside down out of all the bands and you got stuck uh, with the TRX and the bands hanging upside down but you're not, not, not one that's afraid to experiment through um, different methods is there any kind of what, what brought about that interest with you with uh, unorthodox recovery well actually the fact that you're saying it's unorthodox is quite interesting because what Kieran's describing there is deep parasympathetic breaths would have been considered unorthodox when it was first introduced in NFL coaches about maybe 10 or 11 years ago so when I first heard about it but things become industry practice when they get put into play and they actually work. So like, how do you know whether something works or not? The best person to try it on in the safest way is yourself. So I like to try new things to see what we can bring to the gym or what I can bring it to personal clients. Some things work, some things don't. 
But if I find something that continually works after a while, that's the best way to test it out. So you're actually kind of in the trenches giving it a go yourself. And b- body tempering will be just something like this is off topic, but it springs to mind because um, we've obviously seen a lot of people doing it more more recently in terms of probably like slightly more aggressive trigger pointing in a way, adding a bit more bit more resistance to tender areas of the body. Would yeah, that be no, kind of a general way of describing it for people? The, the best way to describe it is if you're the kind of person who does foam rolling or you kind of you're trying to hit tight areas what I see the biggest mistake people make a lot of the time is they hop on a foam roller and they roll around vigorously so if you're the kind of person who starts in your quads maybe and you're rolling back and forward back and forward for a couple of minutes then you go on to your um, calves rolling back and forward the real way that body tempering or foam rolling or trigger point works is it's a neural response so it basically it targets an area a specific area of tightness you apply pressure to that specific area of tightness and then it sends a signal back and forward between that area of tightness in your brain, back and forward, back and forward, the amount of pressure applied that basically says to your head, relax. Mm. So the louder the signal to that area, the quicker the relaxation should hopefully apply in if you can maintain breathing the whole time. So if you're stressed and you're really tight, then everything's tight and your brain can't tell what's going on. But if something's targeted and specific and you're sending a loud signal, the best way I always describe it is if you came home late from a night out, and you knocked on the door and you were trying to get in. You lost your keys. You knock on the door and you're like, let me in, let me in. And someone goes, shh, shh, what are you doing? Don't knock too loud. Why would you not I knock would never too have let loud? you in anyway. Why would you not knock too loud? The louder you knock, the quicker you'll get in. And that's the same way as applied to body tempering. So body tempering is basically a more accelerated version of trigger point therapy where it's basically you apply a large amount of pressure onto an area. And how body tempering works is they usually use large weights. So think of like a foam roller, but think of a steam foam roller and think of it that maybe weighs 100 kgs. That's nice. simply what it is. Loving the anecdote as well. I've never thought of it that way. So that'll be good. Um, with the we, we'll talk about your nights out in, in pre- when we get later on in the episode. But uh, so, like the main, the main reason that we're here is to talk about. Um, I suppose we get asked, get sent emails a lot, especially with the FFS Academy after starting now, where we're kind of um, certifying personal trainers through the gym, um, getting qualifications, and trying to bring kind of people along with the way that we've trained our own trainers in house over the last couple of years. And we're getting a lot of questions about how people should go about changing careers. It's that Rudds I'd say over the last seven or eight years we've probably had a hundred coffees with different people that are kind of keen to get into industry and want to figure it out so Craig you're kind of living breeding proof of, of how it was done um, do you want to just qu- quickly chat about maybe what your life was like before you got into the fitness industry yeah um, I basically I did the two Kieran and yourself both come from a sports science background so when I went to college I went to UCC down in Cork and I studied um, government public policy which is basically political science commerce and a little bit of law and I had these grandiose notions that I was going to be involved in kind of like policy documents and like writing speeches and things like that. Which so you kind of still do. Yeah, yeah. But I left, I left UC, came up to Dublin and got a job in a couple of civil service places. Was pretty much like the youngest guy in there by maybe 20 years in all the departments I was in. It wasn't really for me. Everyone was very friendly and it was a great place to work. But I just, it did, wasn't really float my boat. I didn't really, the reality of what I had in my head and what actually came into play wasn't the same. So I was there for about three years, got itchy feet and decided to go traveling. So went traveling for two years and then I came back at probably the worst time ever to look for a, a civil service or a public administration job. There was a, a moratorium, the recession that kind of kicked in. Um, so I basically went into a different field and started working in contract management in Microsoft. Um, 
was there for about two years. Uh, Rory was out there once in his the tidy shorts I've ever seen getting free food. There was uh, was I working in? He I was, was working, working in Irish lifting. Yeah, yeah, Irish lifting. There was a. Do you want to tell him where it was around the corner? Yeah, the was, I was in Sandyford working like packing stuff in a warehouse when we were coming from Rose trying to plan the gym. And you brought Making me over for lunch. Show me. Yeah, no, I came in like after training. Literally, you remember like, the tightest top ever when he lifted. No, his not hands, top. Lifted it was, your hands it was above your shorts. Head, it, I could see the belly the whole way. That's harsh. That's yeah. people that don't know Big C well. There's a lot of elaboration. His grandioso thing is getting going again no I do remember the shorts I remember they were a little pair of Ireland um, Rugby World Cup shorts I remember those yeah that was a good day good yeah day, good times there so I was there and then I went to another contract um, in Google then for a while and hitting up all the big ones but now, and now FFS the French, I, wonder the free, I wonder where the free food was um, so was there was two very very good places to work um, but they just it wasn't doing it for me I didn't really enjoy it and I said if I'm not going to enjoy it here like what's my real passion like what's the direction I want to go so I was about 20, 29 and I started to think seriously about like, can I get involved in fitness? Can I get involved in personal training? Is this an actual viable option for me? And to be honest, prior to, to that, it was a, probably a big fear factor in that by jumping into would I be able to do it? Would I succeed? Would I fail? And um, the good thing for me was I had access to yourself and Kieran as a constant resource. So I just basically asked around constantly the whole time. Kind of had like a, a, a one third life crisis and literally said, I need to do something now because I'm going to be 30 soon. And if I don't make a decision, I could be stuck basically in this kind of cycle where I am the whole time. So made a decision kind of, I think I talked to, I talked to Kieran yourself. I asked, could I come into the gym? I took a week's holiday. Yeah. And um, I said, can I come in and just intern and shadow you for a week to see exactly what's involved? And you were very accommodating. I did. Uh I think I came in at half five on a on a on a Monday. Is that when we stood you up? We told you to be here at like yeah, some kind of like some sick to be, test just anyway. to make sure. But yeah, no. I came in anyway. I got a feel for the place. Realised there was a, a lot of stuff that I wasn't seeing, mm. um, and then I went on a holiday about a month afterwards. Went to the states over to Dallas with uh, Neil Mulvey, one of our first members. our first ever member Mulvey. First if you're member. listening, the Muldozer. Yeah. Uh, so went over to the states with him um, to to visit a guy over in the states. Saw some of the best facilities I've ever seen. Met some unbelievable coaches that had like NFL experience, had um, collegiate experience as well, like uh, Big Ten schools. And I went, that's it. I'm going to do this. So came back, um, enrolled in a strength conditioning degree, enrolled in a personal training course, um, enrolled in basically everything that I possibly could to get started. And then I just went full headed and that's how I started. That's the first change over. I think that like, obviously that's a great way to look, kind of lead us into what got you to that point. But a lot of people would listen to that maybe and go, right, he made like, you actually made like a quite a long decision. Yeah. Like, you know, you, I know you were saying you're really fully committed to, but like, it wasn't like you I just was kind of went. for years about it. Yeah. I was obviously, it was something that was, I looked back as the one thing that I was always passionate about. It was a constant in the background, like all the books that I was reading, like all the documentaries that I was watching, like everything that I actually did outside of my actual work had a kind of a coaching element to it. It might have been described as a coaching element, but I was more was passionate about the whole time. And that was constant the whole time from when I was in college and when I left college. So that was my big, big interest outside of it. And it was, could I actually pursue this thing that really interested me and really kind of was something I always wanted to do, but did I actually, did I think I could make a living out of it? I remember when you started with us, um, you kind of transitioned from working full-time and then you started doing the evenings, coaching people as a PT once you were qualified. Do you think that was like give us a bit more background on that? And do you think that was a good way to kind of get over the fear of starting in the industry? Um, oh, in hindsight, absolutely. Um, it's the big one that I find you're saying that people come to us and they ask us questions about becoming personal trainers, and moving into fitness full time. I get asked a lot more of that the whole time, particularly when I'm involved in the academy as well. 
the biggest advice that I could give to anyone if they're thinking about moving, changing career into fitness full time is to not give up their day job. Because if it's something that you're really passionate about and it's something you're going to build up, think about it realistically. If you're going to start out training someone, you're not going to start off with 20 clients from day one. So if you have a full time job, is it manageable to try and study and prepare to become a personal trainer, get your qualifications and then maintain your job and then get one client? So that's one client on top of your job. It's, it's pretty manageable. And then if you get another client and keep building up until it's no longer sustainable or you've built up such a large client base that you can transition from your full-time job, even if you hate your job or don't like your job or you just it just doesn't really do for you, use that as something to fuel your ambition and fuel your passion and fuel your career. As in literally this job, this thing that might be a perceived negative in your life is actually getting you to where you want to be as in it's actually fueling you and financially putting you to where you want to be the whole time as well. So I, that's a big thing to suggest. So for me, I basically did what you said there, Karen. I started off with one client and um, built up from there, built up, built up, built up until I could no longer sustain a full-time job and take on the client load that I had. And that's when I transitioned over to it. Yeah, no, I think that's great advice. And you're probably then doing it from a place where you're doing it for the enjoyment, you're do, training people for the enjoyment and you're not doing it out of fear of having to pay the bills. Because I think that's probably a tough place to go to when you start doing something you love and then you're in a situation where you can't afford to pay the bills. So the thing that you loved yeah. becomes highly pressurised. So you might not enjoy it as much anymore because you're associated with... That, you know, that. That's what happens. Like That's yeah. a lot of people that we see when they're talking about transitioning careers is like they want to do it all straight away and they're like, I've made that decision, I'm going to jump in. And I just can't stop telling... I can't tell people enough, don't do it like that immediately. If you've got like... And I would just to clarify, you, we made you do it the hard way like we're related like you might think okay he came straight in like we made you do it the hard way we wanted to see could you maintain your your nine to five could you come in in the mornings before work take pts could you go to work from nine to five and could you come back here and take pts and even before we even offered you a proper contract like that's the way we made you do it then we knew okay this guy's committed to put in those hours then when you lost your nine to five you realized look how much time they have in the day to actually fill this with clients and building and and further development for yourself. So it's kind of, it's it's really good practical advice that if you don't have like something lined up straight away, you've got 10 clients, which never happens. No one ever is lucky enough to be in that position. You got to try build that base like Craig is saying, because that pressure can really make a good thing bad very quickly and gives negative connotations to what you're trying to build. And it just really puts off so many people. The big, yeah, and the big thing as well is trying to funnel that enthusiasm. So like you'll find people come to you, it's a different things I hear. Sometimes parents come to me as well and say, my son or my daughter is like, they're all they talk about is fitness. All they want to do is go to the gym and they want to leave college or they want to leave their job and they want to go and do this full time. And the thing is, it's completely sustainable. If it's something you really want to do, you'll manage the workload and getting there. So like if it means doing something part-time in terms of doing your qualifications part-time, if it means doing PTs the weekends or early in the mornings or in the afternoons after work, if it's something you really, really want to do, you will make time for it and you will make it work the whole time. You can enjoy that study as well then. Like we had a conversation recently Rhodes, about like part-time education versus full-time and like the stress that it can create. You can try to do something in a shorter period of time that's more intense, but like do you get time to absorb that information to see how you could apply it to your life or your business or whatever? And like sometimes it's just the best decision to, if this is a long-term decision of something I want to do, why am I trying to cram it into six months or a year? Why don't I do this over a longer period of time keep developing my skills at the back end and there's not this pressure like I have to get my exams to start taking PTs to pay my rent it can be can be spread out over a longer time and you know you get a chance to absorb that information and enjoy it 
And I think as well, like you, you got to be. I think you realize with coaching. So for for me as a coach, I know that like every single month, every single year, I learn so much more from coaching. So the fact of the matter is, I don't think I'm ever going to stop learning as long as I coach. So it's not necessarily even a destination that I'm trying to rush to. But when you start out in the journey, you think if I have 20 clients, I'm going to be happy. So I just need to get to 20 clients as yeah. quick as you can. But then the more you do it, the more you realize that it's a continual learning process. Same with study. You think, oh, if I get my degree, I'll be happy with that. But then you get your degree and you're like, okay, well, maybe it's a master's. Maybe it's uh, a different subject matter. And then same with training. You think, oh, when I can bench 100 kilos, I'll be happy. When you get to 100, then it's going to be done. Well, no one's ever filmed it, but I have done it once, I promise, I swear. I didn't get a spot. Fake news. Yeah, yeah fake news. Um, but as well, I, I'd imagine, so like, because I was chatting to a guy there last week, and he's looking to transition into the health and fitness industry. Um, and... He, he kind of said something that struck me where he's like, oh, I feel like I've wasted so much time because mm. uh, he's been working in a different sector. And I said to him, well, I don't think you've wasted time because as a personal trainer, you probably have to have a few skill sets in my eyes. You have to have the knowledge of training. Then you have to have the knowledge of nutrition. Then you have to be able to coach, so the art of coaching. And the other thing is your business and your professionalism. Mm. So like, say for instance, you, you. so for me coming out of, my personal training degree uh, personal training course and my degree I think I had a good a decent knowledge of training an average knowledge of nutrition at least applied nutrition mm. a poor knowledge of coaching people how to actually get people to change what they're doing so changing their behaviours creating long lasting habit change um, and then obviously the business side professionalism emails all these other things that go along with it I had very little knowledge of so then as a coming into the fitness industry it took me the last six or seven years to start building up those other three areas alongside my training knowledge um, so then I was saying to the gentleman I was chatting to I was like well no you've already he's already got a strong background in his nutrition mm. and then he's already been working in uh, the professional sector for five six years now so I was like you, you, you understand a heck of a lot about business you understand a heck of a lot about professionalism time management all those areas huge now all you got to do really is upskill on your nut- uh, on your training knowledge and then you got to go out and start coaching people like Craig said get a few clients and then over that time while you're upskilling you'll develop the art of coaching so then you'll be coming in and you'll be a much stronger trainer so it's not the years you spent in that sector were wasted so like for you Craig working in Microsoft working in Google I would say you would have learned a huge amount that you've been able to carry over to this profession to help you be a better uh, practitioner yeah no, but one of the biggest things I think is a relatability with people so when I meet new clients a lot of the people we might be in the same fields but they're involved in the same kind of lifestyle kind of cycles that we all fall into so we're based in kind of desk-based employment we could be working long hours their access to the food that we have in a given day mightn't be fantastic and we fall into cycles of habits so we basically stop training a little less start eating a little worse and this builds over days over days over days and then before you know because it's happened to me as well after about a year or two of that same cycle you kind of take a quick look and yourself go geez what happened like how have i gotten this out of shape or how have i gotten this overweight and you start looking for quick answers then the whole time. And then when you have somebody who can say, look, I'm going to give you advice that's actually based in reality, that's actually practical. It's something you'll be able to do every day. And I'm not telling you based on just something I have off a sheet of paper, something I read in a book. I'm telling you from something I've learned myself. 
and I can really like and then pitfalls and things that come along the way like a lot of the things the problems people have I've already gone through them myself for the most part so I can have a good answer for it straight away but it's also massively informed by all the kind of studying and the coaching I've done the whole time and all the qualifications I got so putting the two together like I'm the same and when you're talking about there I'm the oldest person in the gym as a coach oh dude know, yeah, sorry. dude it's uh, that GDPR there except for Mike yeah, sorry you're oldest looking oldest, oldest looking sorry so for me like a big barrier when sorry, I came you. in was everyone here is younger than me um, the majority of people in this profession are younger than me as well so like I'm starting from ground zero basically I'm coming in as an intern I'm doing the same thing that any other intern would be expected to do I have to do all the jobs that any intern would have to do at the start and I'm basically at the same level so what's the difference between me and a 19 year old or an 18 year old starting out who's just starting as a personal trainer and me being 30 the difference is not much but in terms of my life experience that I can bring to it will hopefully accelerate me quicker to become a better coach but better might be fair but I'll be a more rounded coach quite quickly I would imagine because that 19 year old hasn't had a chance to go through all those life experience yeah and that relatability that actual experience of like see you have different mates things have happened in that 10 years that they mightn't have witnessed yet like so quick recap you went through that transition you figured out what you wanted to do you sought out further education you sought out us as an opportunity which is something that people can do there's a gym somewhere that they train in or they know people they know personal trainers there is opportunities I, I can't imagine any personal trainer or gym in the country that wouldn't want, want to give somebody the opportunity to come in and at least see what happens in a gym for a day like we've had so many guys in chatting over the years to to see what's involved to sit down have coffees let them know what our day looks like reach out to somebody if you are thinking about it um, so then you changed Craig you came in with us you did all the the, the tough work we kind of saw what you were made of eventually came in working when you actually sort of said right this is my career now and put aside the, the typical 9 to 5 job what were the biggest challenges that you had in probably the first 6 months of that transition the first well the first thing was the realisation when I started on the first day that, and this is something that you need to be aware of like if I'm it's I'm you. You're, you're facilitating me to to basically become a better coach. But at the end of the day, the book stops with you as an individual, as a coach. So you're one hundred percent responsible whether you're going to be there for your clients for all of their needs, whether you're on time. If you're not going to be there somewhere, like you can't just call in sick. You can't just decide that like, oh, I'm not I'm not having a good day today. I'm going to call in and everything like that. All those little kind of perks and benefits that you associate with a nine to five job, they're pretty much gone straight away. The other thing that's fantastic about it is. And it's, I found it very empowering is that in previous jobs where I was, if I worked really hard or I didn't work really hard, the reward could be quite similar. With where I am at the moment and when I started off there is I realized that if I actually work hard and put it in, every bit of work that I put in, I will see a return on it in some way. And there's something that a lot of careers I was in the past, I wasn't there. So I knew if something wasn't going well and I worked hard, I'd get something back for it. But the biggest one that I came as when I started off, I transitioned over with a, a client base that I built up as best as I could. I started taking over more classes and it was just looking at my calendar like you described there and going, there's a lot of space on this calendar. So I remember on a Tuesday, I think the first day I started was a Tuesday morning. I had two clients on Tuesday morning and then I had like a, a four hour gap and then I was taking classes and I was like going, this four hour gap, like what am I supposed to do with this four hour gap? I need to fill it. I think this, there needs, why is there not people in this four hour gap? Like I'm in trouble. And then I looked and saw all the other gaps along my calendar the whole time. What I did was... But I, you're probably looking next to, like, probably Rudd's well, name Karen, the Karen, yeah, looks, his name the calendar. the same way as people, look, when they come in and they look at my calendar now and they look at it the same, yeah. the exact same things I was saying to Kieran. I look at Kieran and goes, obviously, Kieran, the machine, the robot, 
Like Who's this? Yeah. Oh, sorry, yeah. Rudd, it's okay, yeah. Look at his calendar, it's absolutely stacked. And I look at my calendar. Lives by the calendar. Yeah, and I look at my calendar and I go, oh my God, I'm so far away. But also not having any perspective and thinking, well, he didn't start like that either. Yeah. So like it took him time to build it up. And if I'm just patient and if I keep working hard the whole time, my calendar will look like that eventually. But that was the biggest concern at the start was just like realizing that it's all on me for the most part. It's really up to you. And that just trying to basically build up my base. And the whole time when you were doing, when you were building up that base and when you were getting more experience with coaching people, you were still studying for a degree in Satanta uh, through strength and conditioning with you as well? Yeah, I was doing precision nutrition as well. Like, would, so. that, would that be something you'd recommend to someone who's starting in the industry so they kind of just made their transition and they've become a personal trainer? Would you recommend doing further education to help you? Well, 100%, but what I was looking for because I found um, for myself that the two of you had sports science degrees and I personally, it was something I was always interested in but never got involved in. I couldn't, a full-time sports degree obviously was completely impractical from where I was yeah. at. But I was, strength and conditioning was what got me passionate in being involved in becoming a coach in the first place. And I, I wanted a qualification. Satanta was perfect for me. Um, and it made a big difference in terms of it, it, it gave me exposure to coaches that I probably would never had a chance to see before. And it also just gave me an exposure to a lot of literature that I would have before. Because I genuinely am quite passionate about it and I love reading into these things. And it just basically gave me a framework to work on the whole time. So, like, for example, those spaces that I had in my calendar initially, as opposed to I was still looking to get on new clients the whole time. But I was like, I'm going to use this time to try and get through my precision nutrition qualification as quick as I can I'm going to try and get all of my assignments done as quick as I can and really just get those nailed and then move on and then as it went on like I f- basically found I was doing three or four hours of like continuous development a day yeah. so I'd highly recommend like for going for further education at all and for people that are a step before that with the fear of sounding like we're purely trying to plug the FFS Academy like what do you think then if, if people are looking to get into it like obviously getting a personal training qualification yeah. like you need that to kind of to start to build a base and to work you know to start to actually build and see if the career is for you yeah. Um, what like what way would you recommend people do that is it like we said kind of part time you know what what do you think the best strategy is there and, and you're working with people as a tutor in the academy what, what um, do you want to tell people what uh, modules you're covering in the FS Academy uh, the movements I cover are uh, movement which is screening protocols for personal training clients and nutrition which is like nutritional advice personal training clients um, the big one to answer your question I'll tell you I'll tell you a horror story from what, what I was doing it myself I've never learned from it before it's quite funny like if you ever want to have your resolve tested it was half five on a Sunday morning in November D- don't name companies I'm not going to name companies it was absolutely lashing rain and the only place that I could do um, a certain test on a day was up in Derry Derry London Derry if anyone else is listening up north as well but basically went up there lashing rain half five on a Sunday morning had to go up and down for a couple of days a week and it just like it just was very very tough but for anyone who's in wants to the best way that I suggest to do it is try and have a blended learning model so something that where you can do a full-time job you can access all the curriculum stuff that you need at your own pace so you can study at your own pace and then have practical workshops then on hand as well to get something to select so like with the FFS Academy without plugging it too much is that's what it is in practice so if someone's in a full-time career they can assess all the curriculums and all the modules that are involved do it at their own pace complete it all online then they can come in and do in-house workshops. So we'll get into the the nitty gritty of actually what's involved, practical things, and go through all the movements and different things like that, and then do their assessments there. And the beauty of it is that it's it's all in-house in one place. Yeah, and it's that not risk of actually giving up employment. I think what Neil was saying, he did it. Um, 
when he he gave up kind of he had to give up work to do a six week full time PT qualification. So I think that that ended up say it cost him three grand. It actually really cost him seven grand because he had to give up work for that period of time and go through it so um, it's definitely something if people aren't in a position where they go straight out for a month and go and go flat out at it um, there's definitely options there one thing I would say on the education side of things for personal trainers coaches anyone looking to be a coach is if you want more you have to be more so you see if you expect to have more clients you expect to get better results with clients if you expect to be more fulfilled in your job as a coach I think you have to commit to the idea of continuously learning in some area of your coaching practice the whole time because you're going to, year on year, you're going to be a better coach. You're going to be more knowledgeable. So then you're in, you should, in theory, get more Mm. out of what you're doing, whatever metric you use. But if you're not prepared to invest in yourself, invest time, invest effort in your own own knowledge and your own skill set, you're probably not going to get the results you want in any of those metrics. But also as well, you might not be as fulfilled as you want. You might drift by five years and not enjoy coaching anymore because you haven't moved on at all in your ideas, your knowledge. So I think the idea of investing in yourself as a coach is really important as well as investing in the people you train. That's a big thing that we we sat down before Christmas talking but we did like our reviews with each other and uh, I'd gone through maybe two years just obviously the way the business has, has changed uh, being in more of an office role you know like basically having a smaller PT client base only really focusing on them and not focusing on sort of continuing pressure development as much and we went away myself and called to do the Titleist course the TPI and like the way that inspires you and you're like oh my god I can bring all this stuff back so like those little workshops anything you can that is is that investment in yourself it, it's going to make you a far better coach all the time so you're dead right Rudd's book continuing to invest one thing I want to talk about though is you're talking about all those gaps in your calendar and it's interesting because both of you guys have done a lot of different things in terms of you see on Instagram now everyone talks about like side hustles and all this basically that's what everyone's talking about like I've got all these things inside do you think as a personal trainer you can survive solely coaching clients one on one and taking classes or roads what do you think I think absolutely you can um, 100% you can Is again I think it's what your skills because if you're really really good at that people are always going to refer their friends to you someone's like so Craig built up his own whole base off a few people coming to train with him so I think if you're really good at your job and you care and you're passionate and you help people get better you will be able to but then at the same time it's a little bit harder uh, because there's certain times in the day so that mid-morning that mid-afternoon where most people aren't going to be able to train with you so there's different avenues you could do you could build up your business to help more people so you could be spending that time like you're saying in an office role where you're helping to build the business thus help more people or if you're working as a personal trainer on your own you could start to fill that time now where you could do online training so now with the internet people are able to train online with a coach and everyone needs a coach so maybe if you're a trainer that could be the other thing you look at where you start blocking off that time in your day that mid-morning that mid-afternoon where you start putting together structures and programs for people and they train remotely with you so that could be another way to build you, you guys have both on a good bit of that like Craig you're obviously doing a lot of work at the minute on the, the, the unit factory at FS. yeah um, yeah I'll talk about the unit factory in two seconds but just to go back to work here and there I think for the for most personal trainers it, that you don't maybe see on these highlighted Instagram posts is 80 to 90% of their income is going to be derived from training clients on a one-to-one basis and even myself personally I actually looked back on it before and that's where I see that that's the real model so like training real people real people getting results those real people go and talking to other real people their friends their family and then they coming back to you and then building up that's where most 
like actually coaching people on a one-to-one basis 10 to 20 percent then of your income will probably be derived from what you'd call like off the floor revenue sources and a lot of new trainers are when they get involved they just think of those those 10 percent straight away they think that's where everything's going to be converted but the really successful um online coaches i mean it's it's it, you got to remember what you see in reality and what what's actually seen through Instagram and things and filters and all of that. It's not always the same thing. Um, the big one to turn around, what I've learned is I've been working for the last year, year and three months on trial in different online formats, just like Kieran was saying there in terms of I consider it, I'm not doing a formal course, but I consider it a massive part of a continuous development that by actually trialing things myself, I've learned so much. So I started off last year trialing different online variations of how would we kind of incorporate online training how would we actually coach people remotely what would it work like so we did three different trials um over the guts of about maybe uh three months altogether in total and the amount that i learned from those three months is just massive and that's bringing us around to where we're at now you talked about the unit factory myself and dara dmac um arguably our biggest coach big does yeah and um, we've been developing for the last three months um an online program that basically takes together all the learnings that we've had over the last year of our trials, pulls together all the resources that all of our coaches have had over the last five plus years here. And we've just basically created a program that's over 12 weeks, um, 60 sessions, all online in an app, basically in your pocket, every single session broken down by exercise, by demonstration, video demo for each one. You log all your weights. There's a wellness and score tracker on every one. With that as well, you get three PDFs, a training PDF, a nutrition PDF, and a habits PDF. The habits PDF is, I think, one of the biggest unique selling points of what we're bringing towards a program. Your entire program every single day is mapped out where we're trying to work towards an optimum you, the optimum day for you based on nutrition, training, active recovery, hydration. And it's all planned out and laid out in a very simple and accountable way. So if you work hard, if you follow the steps that are there, if you try and get a little bit better each day, you will 100% become a unit. I think the big benefit with the online training is there's a lot of people who, uh, myself as an example, 12 years ago, I enjoyed training and I had access to a gym, but the only issue with me continued to progress was I'd go in and do exactly what I liked doing. So you do all the exercises you're best at. Yeah. And you'd kind of get, I, I found out, I, and that, that was me loving training like 10, 12 years ago. We're we talking bench here, I was bench, bench squat. Yeah, pyramid, lot, pyramid, pyramid sets, a bench. Lot of, a lot of bench, but what happened was I ended up overdeveloping a lot of muscles, underdeveloping a lot. I hit loads of plateaus because I wouldn't change the stimulus enough or I wouldn't have a plan. I'd kind of stick to what I was comfortable with. And I think there's so many people out there who fall into that, where they love training, they keep going all the time but they're not as fulfilled in their training as they could be and they're not getting the results that they could be. And that comes down to having a coach. So maybe you don't want to have a, a, an in-person coach. I think that's the, where the online training is really going to benefit people. Someone who's already training or someone who's thinking about starting training doesn't know what to do. Having a structure there where, like Craig's saying, it's all laid out for you and it's just taking those steps along the way and getting a little bit better all the time and having input from a coach on what you're doing and accountability is I think that's the thing that's going to really help someone when it comes to online training that's the real benefit of it and, and you see, it's handy for your schedule as well you can kind of pick your times yeah and you see people as well people who the majority of people that we coach when they understand what a process is when they know there's a process in place they understand the gist of it which is what like a good coach will help you understand what you're trying to do not just say do x y and z they let you know why you're doing it people buy in 
people buy in when they know what the plan is and they understand it and it's that's what leads to constant application because you understand why you're doing it and that's when it becomes enjoyable so for us anyway it's definitely really exciting to see because like we had a look at online coaching roads probably like five or six years yeah. ago and it was all like excel sheets and you know we, we we thought we were ahead of the curve but things have changed so much in the last couple of years that it's really it's i'm really excited to see what when's it when's it launching big c um the pre-launch is starting so basically there's a pre-launch sale price is starting this weekend so it'll be um this will be two days yeah after before the podcast but it'll comes be on out, so this week hopefully when the podcast is out and then it's going live on March the 18th March 18th it's oh, run just for after Paddy's Day yeah right nice okay very good then right I want to end this on a bit of a lighter note I've got I've asked a lot of people um, Seb and Craig live together for uh, not our whole lives actually people might think that we've had periods where we haven't been living together but we lived together throughout kind of when I was in college and a few other bits and uh, I asked a lot of your old housemates Craig and a lot of your close friends to uh, send in a couple of questions for the podcast as well as some current gym members so we're going to go a bit of a quick fire uh, couple of questions on getting to know a little bit more about Big C um, the first one comes in I won't name the person how did you go from eating donuts seven nights a week from Tesco <laughs> with the yellow stickers on them that's the clearance section of Tesco this is factual by the way to now becoming a specimen I'm disappointed that word was used but um, want to fill anyone in there but firstly is there truth there's a few in holes in the story oh, <laughs> Craig's very bad at puns by the way is there truth to the donut story no there's massive truth to it yeah um, I was Basically, I was in I was in work and I'd come back from work uh, by the time I get Tesco about nine o'clock and I'd be always be wrecked and I'd get my ingredients for my dinner and I'd go past the bakery section and I'd see like a bag of donuts and I go yeah I actually I'm not feeling great I'm gonna get those bag of donuts so like and without getting too deep into it I honestly think I I thought I deserved the donuts for how crap uh, the day was yeah so I just got into the habit of it. So then every day I'd literally whiz past the bakery section. I go, oh, rhubarb tart. Let's go. <laughs> and before I realized it, and we all know what happened, I started eating those donuts every day. Yeah. And then I started getting a lot bigger and not for the positive. Yeah. That's, yeah, that's it. So there's obviously a bit, bit more to that. true to it. Um, you are doing the unit factory with uh, DMAC. Um, why is he so much bigger than you? It's it, it's a generational thing. So I'm I look back and I just I see kids now coming through. They just have access to so much more information and resources. When I was his age, um, when I was 18, 17, ago. there was one gym in Kilkenny, the city in which we both grew up. Uh, and that was it. Now there's 11. So I think I'm just going to basically put it down to maybe a little bit of mix of genetics and knowledge and the fact that I'm just right much bigger skilly there's excuses here that's okay um, uh, some members you can't se- do as many w reps se- several well. members have asked what is the crack seven. with the dodgy several the dodgy class names for the suspensions um, like what on what's, earth are you thinking like, what's dodgy what's, what's dodgy about that uh, I think the March um, I get the title of it the March suspension and bodyweight program at the gym is called Spring Clean it's a play on the word lean with clean which I get but several the, the no scrubs people want to know what's going on there you get dogged a lot of the time for coming up with sort of weird class names Big C coming weird class names um, well it's you can name it whatever you want so you what to say you can put lipstick on a, a pig but you can't take it to the prom like it's really uh, what does it matter it's, you've, uh, t- you've tried that yeah. <laughs> Picasso wasn't uh, wasn't appreciated in his time either you're like any great artist Craig yeah you know? he said yeah. Yeah. Uh, well look okay. do people are people are people coming or are they having a great time are they enjoying it I bet we could call it something boring but we have a little bit of fun don't take myself too seriously okay uh, this genuine question who is better at rugby you or your bro <laughs> Um, 
<laughs> Rory is arguably sorry Rory is <laughs> answer the question Big C uh, for just pure brute fo- uh, force and getting over the game line obviously me and tackle ability 100% me for kicking I'm not an out half so Rory can kick the ball better than me but just bar kicking that's about it I'd say bar kicking so okay. I'm so a better rugby player than Rory you're, okay right that's, yeah. listen it's, you're the guy answering the questions Um uh, you had a kicking competition with Sean Kearns in Donnybrook when we did the oh, F- here we go yeah. when this we did the FFS coaching the, these are questions that came in on Instagram so I'm not doing it um, people want to know how many attempts did it take you what did you do pe- how many attempts did it take you to, k- <laughs> to kick a ball over the posts from the 22 hey, it wasn't bang 22, in front how you many efforts you don't, you don't put like uh, figure Craig, skates on the show we're pressed for time here we're pressed for time how, many, how many efforts did it take you to put the ball over the bar from bang in front on the 22 a better question is how quickly did I run from uh, 47 <laughs> Leeson Street to Donnybrook uh, how many Craig uh, I'd say two was it two okay we'll get Kearns to verify what that was Rhodes have you enjoyed having Big C on the podcast it's been fantastic um, I, I, I think as well it's great to hear Craig involved, but I've even learned a lot uh, from Craig's kind of transition and his thinking behind why he did it. Um, and hopefully people out there who are listening who are thinking about following their passion into health and fitness maybe got some good practical insights and some good learnings of how to do it. Yeah, and we're always open for a conversation, an email, a coffee, and who wants to come in and, and see what it's about. You know, we've got plenty of coaches here that all have very different stories and uh, we've all got different experiences that we can share about how we got to where we are. And um, we're perfectly open and, and really happy to talk to anybody. So big C, thanks very much for your time it's been a pleasure having you in thanks very much for having me Rudds have a smashing weekend Uh, thanks very much for listening